natural mystery of the one true faith, of our faith. The first two Masses for Christmas Day, the Mass at midnight and the Mass at dawn, told about the birth of our Savior according to the flesh, born in a stable in Bethlehem, and the shepherds came to adore him. But in this Mass, the Mass of Christmas Day, Holy Mother Church wants to make sure that we understand the significance of that event. The Word became flesh. Certain heresies in the early church centered around what people thought was a problem of how perfect God could be united to sinful man. So most heresies about Christ ended up by saying either that Jesus is not really God or that he's not really man. And yet even the heretics acknowledge that Christ is the Savior. If you acknowledge him as Savior, you have to accept him as God. For the prophet Isaiah said, God himself will come and save you. He did not send another prophet, but as St. Paul says, he has spoken to us by his Son, by whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the world. Our Lord is the brightness of his glory and the figure of God's substance. Jesus is God. God himself has come and saved us. If our Lord is not God, then we are not saved. Because if our Lord is not God, then a mere man died to atone for an infinite crime. But Jesus is God. And what about being a man? Well, the simplest answer would be that if he's not really a man, then he's a liar. He looked like a man. He acted like a man. He came into the world like a man. And he died like a man. If he wasn't really a man, then it was all an illusion. And God is a deceiver, a liar. He wanted us to think he was a man, but he really wasn't. But God is no liar. So our Lord is both God and man, supreme and omnipotent, creator of all things and ruler of the universe, the son of Mary, lying in a manger. What are the consequences of that fact? God became man. First of all, because he is divine, Christ can do acts that are infinitely pleasing to God. Anyone in a state of grace can merit, can do supernaturally good things, but only a divine person can be infinitely pleasing to God. The most important truth that follows from the Incarnation is the fact that only as a man could Christ be the High Priest of the human race. Without the God-man, there is no perfect priesthood. Without a priesthood, there is no sacrifice, and there is no mediation between God and man. We would still be strangers to the Creator of the universe. But by his incarnation,
salvation, Christ has become for us the supreme high priest and mediator between God and man. A priest does just this, stands between God and man, representing one to the other, man to God and God to man. If our Lord is not both God and man, he could not be the perfect high priest. But the Word did become flesh. And as a priest, he can offer a sacrifice on behalf of men, because he is a man. Now a sacrifice does several things. For one, it represents an interior act of the soul. That act is a recognition that we are creatures and God is the Creator, acknowledging that we are subject to Him and owe Him everything. So our Lord, being in the state of grace, we said is capable of actions that are infinitely, that are pleasing to God. And because He is divine, His actions are infinitely pleasing to God. Now the principal act of a priest is to offer sacrifice. Thus, putting all this together, then, it follows that Christ's sacrifice is infinitely pleasing to God. And it's sacrifice of and by a man on behalf of all mankind. Christ's sacrifice not only represents man, but it is man. His sacrifice affects what it signifies. Man actually is offered to God in a perfect and infinitely pleasing act. So what is sacrifice to God is made holy. The very definition of the word in Latin, sacrificere, to make holy. And by the sacrifice of Christ, man is offered to God. Thus, man is made holy. And we call a thing holy the closer it draws to God, who is holiness itself. Since the Incarnation, man is forever united to God and God to man in the person of Jesus Christ. What could be holier than an actual unity with God? But that's not all we mean by this. Man is now united to God in another way. Since and because of the Incarnation, each man has a chance now not only of drawing closer to God, but of sharing God's life. Christ the High Priest has merited for us the gift of sanctifying grace, the indwelling of the Blessed Trinity in our souls. Each man may now be forever united to God, because God became man 2,000 years ago. Verum caro factum est. It's at the center of our faith. God and man made one. At 
Christmas, we celebrate the birth of the Savior, and that Savior is God. We celebrate his birth in the flesh 2,000 years ago, but we also celebrate what that means. God has forever bound himself to man. We may now dwell forever with God. Christmas is not just about the coming of Christ during the reign of Caesar Augustus. It's about the coming of Christ in our hearts and in our souls today. There are a point of being a Christian to live Christ's life in this world by his presence in us. Christmas is a time of great grace. Take advantage of it. Pray that Christ will come make his abode with us, that we may decrease so that he may increase. Pray that Christ will be born in us and that he will live his life in our hearts. Because the word became flesh, God is now forever united to man, and man may be forever united to God. It is no longer we who live, but Christ who lives in us.